Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So I'm really excited about our guest that we have today. We're going to be talking about building, scaling, financing, I mean, all of that good stuff, you know, going from consulting to now, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and building something repeatable and scalable, you know, the good, good stuff that we like to hear. Uh, but I don't want to make you guys wait any longer, guys and gals. So today we're going to be welcoming our guest here, Casper Rasmussen. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much and thanks for having me. So originally, you know, born there in Denmark, you know, obviously you were there in, out of the suburbs, you know, I'm sure it was a beautiful childhood, but give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? Thank you very much. Yes, correctly. I'm, I'm born and raised in, uh, in Denmark and I uh, went to school here and then later university. Started uh, as I started studying electronic engineering. That was also the first time I, I learned to code and like got a touch and all that. Why engineering, Casper? Out of all things, I mean, what got you into problem solving? So I, I think like I had a I had a really good uh, like a talent for for math and physics and stuff like that. And uh, I'm also from a family of engineers, so uh, that was what uh, dragged me into that. But yeah, so that's amazing. Started with electronic engineering, and then later went more into software. And uh, I figured out it was much easier to to kind of debug and troubleshoot uh, on a in software compared to on a circuit. So uh, I, I got dragged to that really fast. And then uh, into mobile apps pretty early. So I uh, was actually building mobile apps already in Android 1.5. Uh, so one of the first versions out there. And that was also what landed my 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 first real job in my career. I started in a small agency, a digital agency, building mobile applications in 2010. And uh, when, then I was part about building that agency up, uh, became mobile lead later, CTO and partner, uh, and uh, we took that to five countries in Europe, 150 people organically, and sold that in 2017. During the time, the agency we also did two startups: one uh, out of London, in which is to with Founders Factory today, and one out of uh, New York, a more technical one. Uh, so also a little bit of exposure to the startup world there. But then uh, after we sold the the agency. Um, to a Japanese firm, uh, I stepped into a much bigger group where we were 1,200 people from Tokyo to New York, and uh, we were on a consolidation of getting everything on the same brand and IPOing it. I mean, that's a, quite a quite a transition. You know, there's a few things here that that come to mind. You know, because you know your background is very interesting. I mean, one is the consulting world. You know, I find that you know you were at Accenture before. You know, when when you're in the consulting you know world, it's it's like it gives you access to to a perspective, to a way of looking at problems. So obviously you have the chops of problem solving, of, of being an engineer, a trained engineer. But then now, you know, you blend that too with, with the consulting chops of being able to grab, you know, big problems, you know, break them down into smaller problems and then tackle them. So what do you think the blend of both, you know, give you access to? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think um, like the consultancy world gives you uh, that gives you exposure to a lot of different industries, so you learn a little bit about everything. And I think that was a very good, very big advantage when we entered here in EV charging. There was not a like an industry we ever thought about before, um, but you also get extremely good at kind of doing the first couple of releases. 
like you have done so many times where you build something for a company and you release it and then they kind of take it over. Uh, so the first sprint is like where you're super strong. We built more than 500 mobile apps over uh, over 10 years. Uh, so a lot of like exposure to that uh, and knowing what works and what doesn't work, what technologies to go for and what to what to not go for. So I think good advantages in that, but I think the downside is also that you are used to like swapping to the next thing very early. You never get very deep. As soon as the project starts scaling a little bit, they get taken over uh, internally often. Um, uh, so I think that's why you that's what you're missing from that. Uh, I, I tried that a little bit for some of the startups we we did, but uh, um, but not to the to the extent we have today with Monster. And I guess with uh, Monster Lab, when when you guys went through the acquisition, you know, obviously here, you know. It's 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 interesting because you get to also experience. You were one of the early employees. You became a partner there, and you got to experience too what the transactional side of 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 being acquired by somebody else looks like. I mean, how you do the integration, how you blend teams, how you blend cultures. I mean, what kind of visibility did that give you into the full cycle of building, scaling, and exiting a business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it uh, it was a very uh, was a very big learning on uh, like how you how you sell a company. It was a six seven month process. Uh, it started with us with a few like uh, meetings to see if there was a, a cultural fit. Uh, we were on the same like journey together as them, um, and then later it gets super intense with like due diligence, uh, uh, lawyers up and down, uh, which is. Uh, also a phase you do when you fundraise, um, but here it's it, it's there's a very big stake. It's your it's your company. Um, we also tried it from the other side where we actually acquired companies uh, through the agency as well. Um, where I, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's great learnings. Not something you pro- you can prepare yourself for. I think um, I think the the takeaways are it's, it's most likely going to take a lot longer than you 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 think about when you start the process. We had like one of the three partners, like that was that was his full time job for six months. That was to get this acquisition through, um, just to deal with all the questions that were coming from uh, from all the tradilians. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, no kidding, no kidding. You know, we're going through acquisitions now. You know, in your case, you know, you you stayed, you know, for that integration, and and this was the immediate, you know, step that needed to happen before you actually decided to go at it. You know, as an entrepreneur, you know, as they say ideas, you know, they take time, you know, uh, for you to even know that they are there, you know, they're, they're like incubating and there's like certain sequences of events that push you over the edge to really bring it to life. I guess in your case, Casper, what were those events that needed to happen for you to say, okay, you know, let's go. Yeah. So I think the most important one was that, that, uh, we, we have built so many mobile apps for startups, both in, uh, in Europe and uh, in Asia and so many of them, like 90, 95% are not making it through year two. So I knew that if I had to go for like a startup idea, it needs to be a very good idea. Like I was not just going for something I felt like strong about one day. And then I think on the other side, uh, going into like startup entrepreneurship where you are getting paid very little and there's a lot of hard work uh, for a long time, uh, you need to be set up at home for a way where that can work. Uh, and I think the acquisition of the agency was was giving that buffer for me. That uh, I knew that even if if I wouldn't succeed with with Monza, it would still be fine, and I could get another job. 
I didn't do it when I was 20 years old and could live on my, my parents' basement. Uh, so I, I had to kind of make sure that there was uh, security for the family as well. So then tell us about really pulling the trigger, you know, and saying, you know, I think that Monta, you know, really has some legs. Yeah. So I, I think we, when we started looking into it, me and my co-founder, we were, we were having this idea that, uh, that what no one really understood how to build software in a consumer-facing manner within EV charting. Uh, and we could see all the competition out there was like utilities, uh, electronic companies uh, kind of entering. Um, so that was the first uh, like uh, direction to start looking into it. Then we bought a couple of charts points, opened them up to see what what, uh, what hardware is actually here. Can we integrate into this as it start to be open uh, protocols? And and that was actually starting to that was starting to align on a few uh, protocols. Um, and then at the same time, it was the market that uh, it took six years in Denmark, our home market, to go from one to two percent of the sales. The new sales was EVs, and then it took two quarters to go from two percent to eight percent. So it was really uh, taking off that summer. That was the that was the indications. We also knew that we were up against uh, like some pretty big companies uh, which have established themselves over the last ten years and, and got very dominant positions in the various markets. So we are not going to bootstrap it. That was pretty clear from us as well that we have to go out and get external money. And that that was the third indicator. Then when we succeeded attracting the first uh, pre-seed round, uh, then it was like okay. Let's let's do it. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about the financing just a little bit. But you know, for the people that are listening to really understand it, what ended up being the business model of Monta? How do you guys make money? So we started with this concept about like let's make Airbnb for charge points, so everyone can kind of connect a charge point, decide a price, and then sell energy to their neighbors and the ones coming by their their house or, or hotel or office building. Um, uh, today it's it's a B2B2C model, so we sell to companies which are then putting charge points up. Uh, so the model is a SaaS subscription uh, where our customers are paying between 5 and 15 euros per charge point per month. So that's how we make money. And in your guys' case, you know, how much capital have you guys raised to date? Uh, 50 million euros. Okay, so that's probably closer to the 60 million uh, mark, you know, in, in, in today's conversion. But in terms of the experience, because, you know, you were alluding to early, you know, like the, the earlier round that you did, you know, the first one, uh, and that obviously gave you validation. And, hey, you know, maybe we're into something here, you know, when people are willing to put their money behind us. Yeah. But I know that the European market is not as easy um, you know, to, to attract money as maybe like in the US, you know, where it has been, you know, going for some time, you know, obviously I find that in Europe there, uh, things are opening up quite a little bit, you know, it's not as green as it used to be. And the ecosystem is developing nicely, but what has been the experience, you know, for you guys to raise money and how it has been, you know, that experience going from one round to the next. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, like fundraising was completely new to uh, to me and my co-founder. We we never tried that before. Um, so we started by by actually reaching out to people we knew who either fundraised or was sitting on the investor side and kind of just hearing it out a little bit. And I think luckily in the like in the angel investor world that they're also really good at bringing in other angels and meet more people, figure out who you are having a good match with, etc. So, so, so within a few weeks, we managed to talk to to like ten different ones, 
and and I think the the pre the pre seed round, the, the first round, that was like we had ten slides in a in a presentation, and we had an idea about we wanted to do Airbnb for charge points. Uh, there it was more about like, are, are you quitting your job and going into this full time? Okay, that's validation enough for a lot of the the, the early stage investors. Um, so that was like it was on on your like on the on the uh, on the people who were starting the company more than really like anything else um, i think we hit a couple of good macro trends within like uh, the years like uh, so one thing is this uh, like electrification the this uh, sustainable uh, tech uh, green tech all that that that's a, that's a trend which is pretty fundable uh, right now there was also this sharing mechanism uh, in in the early ones as well and then I think with within electric vehicles itself, that many have been looking into putting bets in, but they don't want to invest in the cars and they don't want to invest in hardware. So waiting for for the the, the software plays to come, uh, and that's not that many actually. So first the the first round went pretty smooth, um, and then we start building the the product and launched it pretty quick. Um, so the first round is like two years and four months ago since we raised that. And we start building, and then we released it around uh, this time two years ago. And then already at that point, we start getting pretty good traction in the home market. So uh, we were pretty bullish about, okay, let's go for the next round now, the seed round. That was a lot harder work, uh, but but still within three weeks, I think we had a term sheet, and I could I could kind of say uh, sign that, and that was a four point three million euro round as a seed round in the spring of twenty one. And there, then the, the the kind of mission from that point was okay. Try try to take the product out of your home market, see if this works in Sweden or in UK and Germany, some in one of the bigger markets. Uh, so that we we then spent uh, like well, uh, something like six months uh, setting up a couple of the new uh, offices uh, uh, markets, and then pretty fast there in Sweden and in UK we actually got pretty we got good traction, uh, especially in the UK market we. We we came in at a very good timing. Uh, there was a lot of companies looking for solution like ours. Uh, uh, we made some really good hires and and, and kind of hit it really hard fast. Um, uh, so already like in in the what is that in the fall of twenty one we were like now we kind of validated that this actually works outside of the of the market. So we we did an A round there, and that was also hard work that took us. Maybe a month of preparation and then like two or three weeks of pitching it until we had the first term sheet there and uh, and then another month for, for closing. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard and already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieversen, to really put together an advisory firm 
where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a Series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. And now, you know, one, 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 one thing interesting there is that the Series A that you were alluding to, you guys did that in, I mean, in 2022. But also in 2022, you know, this was, there was like two transactions happening in 2022. Is that right? Yeah, so the the so we did an A round in the, so the closing was in 20, December twenty one, and then uh, there was an A plus round in uh, August September twenty two. Yes. And what 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 do you mean with A plus? Because I'm sure that that's going to be a little bit unknown for many of the people that are listening that are more used to C, A, B, C, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. So we it was a discussion point if we should have called it a B round, but we actually it, it uh, so it was a up round. We we increased valuation with more than two x, uh, but it was uh, um, we didn't feel like the numbers was there for what you normally are on a B round in terms of revenue. So we we called it an A plus round and they built it up some uh, some cash for us to invest further. Uh, so was this a preemptive round? You know that someone came to you or 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 an existing one, or was it like more you going out to market again and ex and expanding that existing round from before? No, so the, the A-plus round was someone coming to us, so we were not fundraising, uh, and uh, they came and were pretty interested in, in, in investing, and we, we told them we have, we have probably, we have a year of runway yet, so if you want, if you want in now, it needs to be on, uh, on multipliers where you're looking at where will we be in six months, so we kind of split the the risk a little bit in that way. Uh, and then after a little bit back and forth, we, we landed uh, on an agreement with that. And one thing that is very interesting here too is your background. You know, you are a technical guy. Uh, you happen to be the CTO, but then also the CEO of the company, uh, you know, and obviously the co-founder. But, but it's interesting because going from the technical side of things to the business side, you know, is not easy. Uh, so that's, you know, one interesting transition there. And then the other one is juggling both at the same time. So what does a typical day look like for you? Yes, good question. So I think the, like, the reason why it ended like this is that uh, I think it, uh, when, you, when you get into a company which gets bigger and bigger and bigger, especially in a consultancy agency world where you, you have to go out and sell all the time, the partners are actively selling no matter their, their, their job title on top of that. Everything gets more and more commercial. It gets more and more of the same, and I would say like the the the, the roles gets closer to each other, lay further uh, further ahead. Um, so I was exposed to a lot of the operations, to the finance, to the commercials uh, over the years. And then I think when we uh, when we uh, when I when I started Monta, uh, I I really thought that it was important to have someone super technical in this in this kind of company because it was a very technically engineering heavy issue we are solving. So I thought it was a super good match for my profile actually. And then uh, I think it's, then it's been really much about building up the organization around knowing what you're not good at and what you don't want to do a lot of. Um, so we hired a CEO 
Max uh, here well, uh, at, our, at our seed round already, uh, which have been running a, a big portion of the of the business. So he, besides the uh, operation, he also ran finance, legal, expansion, and the sales team for quite a, quite some time until we got a CEO. So I think you can you can make the role what you want it to be if, when you know what you get energy from and you know what you like to do, and then make sure to get good people around you to cover for all the other parts. And now, in in your case too, you know something something that I would love to hear is if you were, let's say, to go to sleep tonight, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Monta is fully realized, mm-hmm. what does that world look like? So I think our uh, what we're aiming for is being this like a like platform player, the end to end platform for EV charging, like globally. And uh, and uh, we believe we are well positioned for that. But that means you use Monza at home, you use Monza at your at your fitness, at your at your corporate parking, at public charging, like everything. That's us running it as the backends. You might have different apps. You might charge through your car. There might be different things there in the future. But we are kind of the Mastercard, running all the transactions behind it. Now in this space, there is a, a lot of a lot of momentum. You know, there's obviously a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, that is trying to take a piece of the pie. I'm sure that you guys have thought, you know, hard, you know, and deep into the go-to-market strategy. So I guess from from that go-to-market, what have you learned and what can you share with, you know, the people that are listening that are wondering how they can also be effective of, at their go at their own go-to-market strategy? Yeah. So when we uh, when we started Monza, we uh, we start breaking up the value chain to figure out like how's this like how does this work like understanding it, and in the beginning we went for like the the car dealerships and uh, we spent some time on that and failed completely at that both of COVID lockdown that time, but also because it was just like it was not the right strategy. The the car dealerships are buying through massive uh, national importers and you need to make deals on, on a high like national level more or less so we uh, we spent some more time on the value chain and then we figured out that the electricians the installers are actually the gatekeeper of this uh, uh, space because uh, in in like most of the world you need a licensed electrician when you need a when a high power voltage uh, uh, unit is getting installed and that's a charge point so uh, from that point, we decided to say, okay, let's try to go for the installers. Let's uh, let's call all of them. Let's send them uh, material. Let's let's figure out what we can do for them. So when they install charge points, they recommend our software. We take them in, uh, make sure we revenue share with them. We even make the the option to kind of uh, use our platform to run their business in terms of uh, of like selling charge points and subscriptions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and no one else kind of did that. Um, so uh, that was very unique and like that was like the a blue ocean in that sense to go for that and when you land the first 100 installers you uh, you also have enough mandates of power to actually go for their wholesalers and then to the hardware manufacturers so it was the way up there to to land the the correct place uh, uh, there was a couple of steps in in, in between but uh, which was very successful to to do that in the, in the different order and for the people that are listening to, you know, that would love to get an understanding on the scope and size of Monta today, I mean, anything that you can share in terms of number of employees or anything else? 
Yeah, so we are 150 employees and uh, we are in eight countries in Europe. Uh, we just opened up France last month. Yeah, and we, we now have uh, 54,000 charge points. Wow. Now, imagine if you had the opportunity of going into a time machine and you're able to go back in time. You know, maybe you're going back in time into, I don't know, you know, you're, you're at the consulting, you know, uh, firm and you're wondering a world where you could bring a solution of your own, if you were able to have a sit down with that younger self and, and being able to tell that younger Casper one piece of advice for launching a business, what would that be and why, given what you know now? So, so, so it's, it's almost like, don't do it. No? I, I, I think it, uh, it's been super tough, right? It's been some, uh, some hard years. There's a lot of like ups and downs uh, in, in doing this. Uh, but I think uh, where we are right now, it's been a very good experience and we are, I'm super happy that I that I that we did that I did it. Um, uh, so, I th- uh, so I think some of the advice have been like that. We, on the way, I think we took a lot of like fast decisions and we had to redo it. Uh, but it's, it also that's also why we're here today. That we have been very executional and and we've been moving very fast compared to everyone else uh, we're up against. But we have also been like breaking things a lot. Uh, so I think s- some of that will be like. Uh, Maybe slow down a little bit and make the right decisions and like uh, uh, take the take the time to hire the right people first time uh, in 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 like the very important positions. So I think that that could be one. And then I think in in terms of like uh, uh, other advice uh, would be uh, would be within fundraising as well. That uh, like uh, I think it played out pretty well for us. Uh, but also have there's also a lot which are not doing that right. That uh, it's really about preparing a lot for these. Uh, and there's a lot of like hundreds of hours spent on kind of prepping them and running them uh, nicely, having good understanding of what the what the fundraising market looks like at the point you start your race. Are we up, is it about to crash or is it going very well? I think that would be some of the advice. And for the people that are listening, Casper, that would love to reach out and say hi. What is the best way for them to do so? They can find me on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, hey, Casper, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Yes, likewise. Thank you very much for having me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.